Hello and welcome to Taylor's Tales podcast. This is Chris's Corner. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and I'm back this week with a brand new podcast. And I wanted to start this podcast off by talking about something I do pretty much before every podcast, something that you don't normally see, something that I don't normally talk about. I have spoken about meditation before, just not in this uh, sort of form. I class it under the meditation structure. It really helps me clear my mind and it re-energizes me. It gives me a clarity that I can't rightly describe anything other than oxygenation to the brain. It's Wim Hof's breathing technique. Something that you may or may not know about. It's something that I discovered probably around six or seven months ago that has changed the way um, if I'm feeling low energy, low level energy, and I need to get something done, and I want to get a task done, then I will just do this breathing technique beforehand, and it will just give me that vamp, and I'll just just re-energize and revamp myself, and I can't see myself not doing it ever again. Um, it's just something that's so essential to me being this enthusiastic, happy, energetic person that I I, I feel I am and, and somewhat of a portrayal as well, I hope, to other people. And it's, it makes me want to feel more engaged with the viewer, the listener, the person I'm talking to in the podcasts. It makes me want to feel like I'm here with you in person, really trying my best to lock in to either what I'm saying or what you're saying and not what I'm going to rebuttal you with, but rather the content that you're providing or the thoughts and notes that I've written down that I will be providing and the learning that we're both doing at the same time, because that's exactly what I uh, I wanted this to be. And I'm hoping that's what it's going to be other than me being a lecturer, because <laughs> that's not what I wanted to be at all. It's actually something that used to put me to sleep at university, lecturers not the way forward lectures in general uh either that or maybe i had the wrong lectures either way it matter not, matters not uh one thing that i'm gonna play uh something a, a clip in a minute each time i get a new podcast uh, each time i either make a new podcast or ah, nah, not the podcast each time i get a new subscriber i'll just play this clip now Kelly, we got one. <laughs> Kelly, we got one. I love it. It's so funny. Tim Dillon at his best on History Hyenas. I'll probably get a copyright claim for that, but who cares? It's one of my favorite clips at the moment. It's so funny. I think that his humor as well, the darkness behind it is just magnifique. It is exactly what we need in today's sort of quite not so we don't we take ourselves quite seriously i think society at the moment and maybe i'm not one to talk but you know that's i I really enjoy what he's putting out there the content he's putting his podcast is brilliant Uh, and if you haven't watched listened to watched it run over there now it's much better than mine (laughs) so there's that so those two things i wanted to cover so tim dylan legend and then also uh, the Wim Hof breathing technique and then AMC and Bitcoin and GameStop. So AMC and GameStop have just rocketed the past week to two weeks. Um, I've been keeping track of things on Reddit. It's rather interesting seeing how people 
are betting basically their life savings uh, investing in these sharp upwards rocket sort of peaks of the stock going up making a lot of money i've seen it range from like 100 pounds to 32,000 dollars to like you know beyond that and it's really interesting to see is that GameStop and AMC, like they're two companies that are quite, they're in the past, they're sort of like the idea of, um, when we got the new Star Wars uh, movies, one of the main things that people said about number seven was that it was a nostalgia play. And I do think that AMC and GameStop have that sort of vibe, is that you've got a bunch of youngsters, maybe not, not everyone's a youngster, but guys who've got some disposable income that they're like, oh, what can we, where can we put our money? That's something a little bit silly, something a little bit edgy. And what, and, and, and these are United States, sort of like, um, you know, United States companies. So it's very much uh, like we would be if we were investing in virtual games or um, game itself over here in the UK very different vibe over there amc the sort of movie company would be like me investing in showcase uh except showcase actually is back online at the moment and then you've also got gamestop which is you know it's not made a lot of money in in in, in a while so it does it's as if the redditors are playing a little bit with this non-profitable companies that they're having this nostalgia play and using the stock to be able to, some of them probably making it for a quick buck. A lot of the time it's just for a bit of fun. It's just quite fun to see what happens and, you know, go for it young, you know, everyone out there, you know, I, I personally don't want to risk my money on something like that. Maybe there is a lot of money to make off AMC and GameStop in these ups and downs of the market, but where it goes 30% up, we've seen, you know, hundred percent downs. So it's, it's, it goes both ways. And although we've seen quite a lot of positives, there are negatives with the stock market. It's, you know, risk your money uh, at your own peril. Um, so as well as AMC and GameStop, you've got uh, Bitcoin at the moment and basically all of the cryptocurrency crashing. Now, I think this is something really interesting because probably a few podcasts ago, I talked about how I didn't truly trust it, didn't truly, you know, see it keep on peaking at this point. And it has done what I've seen it's done to do. And you may be saying, Chris, you know, you said, ah, maybe you want to invest in the dip in this deterrent, but it's not worth investing in at the moment because the value of Bitcoin, the one that's actually worth something because of its algorithm like the the creation of bitcoin it has it's a symbol it's a symbol to fight against the sort of corruption that we see within society within the banking system as we saw in 2008 the traceability of government's power over its citizens which again all these brilliant ideas that come out of the algorithm where it's untraceable and has a sort of unhackable algorithm is great but if it's being if that's if that value was from 2016 2017 right stay with me so if that the value that they got at 2017 was based off that that algorithm like oh wow bitcoin's amazing because of this 
and then a load of other cryptocurrencies are created off Bitcoin, off its algorithm and off its, you know, and a lot of these coins are, they're not exactly profitable. There's no money behind it. There's no valuation behind them. Ethereum's there to basically place nodes on individual computers to be able to process on those computers and then that processor would provide the user with the ability to send that power via Ethereum and then we could power other sort of applications and products. The idea behind that is a great idea, but at the same time, how many people are going to accept having a node on their phone? Anyway, that's an idea that I didn't come up with. Uh, shout out to, I think it was, oh, it's going to kill me. He calls, he says, like his, his main title is as a millionaire. Um, and it will come to me later. But the point is, there's, there's this YouTube I got the Ethereum idea from, but quoting him here. And then from there, I go on to think to myself. So, so this is something that I thought, you know, this is my thoughts, is that Bitcoin's been propped up by a bunch of really, really dodgy cryptocurrencies that don't have any value and it does sniff a little bit of the 2008 crash we had this you know great idea of the subprime mortgage scheme that just got covered in crap uh by taking the original idea making copies of it and over and over again printing it out and making it worthless so it's very similar in that idea of Bitcoin was the original idea and how we've ripped it off hundreds of times with these other cryptocurrencies. And then if you sell those cryptocurrencies and you buy Bitcoin with a result, you're basically having a feeding scheme where it's self-feeding. And so to me, that says that some of the profits being made out of Bitcoin, these ups uh, are just being like, kind of a negative reflection of what actually is the profitability behind it so there is that so that i know to those who are non-technical out there i'm sorry i didn't want to go into that too much because it kind of goes into a little bit of a boring sector there but point being is be very careful with your investments be very careful this is the same as stocks normally i'm i'm the type of person who invests in blue chip and sort of like ef etfs because they're very safe and I'm not somebody who likes to, to lose money. <laughs> and so those, those are my, you know, blue chip stocks and then ETFs. They're my thing. Not going to make a huge, massive, you know, amount of money off them. But I'm looking long term. I'm not looking short term. That's just how I play it. Anyway, so Bitcoin crashes. I wanted to mention as well, Elon Musk has also, you know, his ability to play with the market to be able to play with either the stock market or the Bitcoin market, the cryptocurrency market as a whole, his ability to send a tweet. It does remind me of Rogan in the sense that, you know, you make one negative or one comment that isn't necessarily going to be right with everybody. And then immediately something comes out of it and it has an effect. And either people are talking or the markets are moving. And his ability to send a tweet 
and show that shows the true volatility of some of the companies, even his own company like Tesla, it does make me question. So I'm, I've got investments in Tesla, not huge amounts, thankfully, because I've diversified my portfolio. But it does make me wonder, you know, if his own company is volatile based off opinions that he puts out on a social media platform makes me question the financial fundamentals behind that company doesn't it you it makes if 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 one man's able to and i get it he's very popular very smart person much smarter than i am i'm just trying to understand like this current situation we we face where the market has a effect immediately after a man puts an opinion or a statement based off, for instance, in his case, not no longer accepting cryptocurrency as payment for Teslas, even though before he accepted them. It's very interesting to think about that concept. Not sure what the future is of that, but I have a feeling that as we move forward into the future over the next five years, we may see some truth come out, maybe behind Tesla, maybe behind Elon's ability to change the market or why the markets are so volatile at the moment obviously we've just come out of we're coming out of a pandemic so the markets are going to be volatile to certain things but i am still truly intrigued by that so there's that on to something a lot more positive to all you football fans out there who are or if you're not a football fan, for this case, my favourite team in the world, Chelsea Football Club, won the Champions League. And I cannot stress how excited I was on the day. I watched the entire match from beginning to end and I loved every second of it. It was so much fun to watch Chelsea just consistently. If we lost the ball, I wasn't scared. It was like when I was younger and I watched England play, I used to feel that when we lost the ball, a goal was at any point. I was terrified. I didn't think we were going to be able to get the ball back. And we used to just pass it around the back and it didn't look like we had an attack at all. But each time Chelsea got the ball from City, it looked like we could go for an immediate attack. It meant like we were Havertz, Mount and even Werner for the first half, you know, the first 20 minutes was posing a serious threat. And Kante was just a machine, one after another, bang, 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 like taking the ball off the players, getting it back, running it through, passing it through the the midfield and getting it up the pitch. He is the best midfielder in the world, without a doubt, cannot. He plays such an important role in Chelsea's. If, If there's one player that we should be keeping on for the next five years, it should be that man. He is, without a doubt, the best midfielder in the world as I've just said but also the humblest player I've ever seen someone like that characteristics and the sort of personality that you want in the dressing room to show the other guys how to play football and how to be around football you need him there to to show that you've also got Thomas Tuchel at playing a master class of tactical play where he's beaten Pep Guardiola three times in a row I'll be honest with you guys, as I've spoken about Chelsea throughout this season, I didn't see this going this way. I didn't see us playing the, you know, I didn't see us winning the Champions League. I had real doubts. After us losing to Leicester, 
in the FA Cup. I had real doubts. I watched that. I was thinking that how is this Chelsea team going to go on to beat Man City in the Champions League final? And it was very difficult to see that, especially as we lost the last game of the season as well and only just got into the Champions League qualifiers. It, to me, said that there was a lack of motivation maybe or maybe some issues in tactical play. I wasn't sure. So winning the Champions League was it was brilliant to see my team at the very best possible performance that they could have put in defensively they were just absolutely brick wall Rudiger Christiansen I mean it was sad to see Silva go off at 33 minutes but he put in his he put in a great performance as well and Aspilicueta how can we not thank the captain the man the myth the legend just an absolute rock at the back you know talking about defenders you've got brilliant Chilwell and James both of whom I mean I love the joke about um, James emptied his pockets at the end of the night and found Sterling in there and I was like yes because Raheem Sterling is so overrated I know an opinion you know it is what it is he never performed in the England team. I never understood why he was in the England team. I don't understand why he's in the Euros now. And I don't understand why he's in the Man City team because he doesn't seem to play well in big games. So what's the point of having him? I mean, it's great if you can score like a hat-trick against Burnley or someone like that. But, you know, I'm talking about playing against top teams. Yeah, never understood it. But yeah, Chelsea, the entire team... I mean, Mendy had hardly anything to do. I mean, apart from the first five minutes where he had Sterling go on and uh, have not really a one-on-one, but a semi-shot that could have potentially gone in. All-round fantastic performance by my team. And I am ecstatic to see that we won the Champions League. It was well-deserved. Chelsea were the better team. Havertz's goal was brilliant. Mason Mount pinging it through the centre to be able to go into Havertz, who just out-sprinted Zinchenko. Yeah, Zinchenko. And and then chipped it past uh, Edward. No, who was it? Is it Eduardo? I think it's... I'm probably getting his name one. It is probably Eduardo, but the goalkeeper of City and just a beautiful finish all round. And he deserves... You know, he was bought for, for 80 million... He's repaid it in one match just by winning us the Champions League just through that one goal. And the rest of the team just showed their quality by keeping that clean sheet and by you know increasing the, the, tent, the, the sort of attacking ability. So well done, Chelsea. I was, you know, running around the house, you know, celebrating the, the entire thing. I thought it was an absolutely brilliant match and a great way to end the season for Chelsea with some silverware once again. Fantastic. So, yes, 75% of the UK has now been given the first dose of the COVID vaccine, which is fantastic to see. I yet haven't had it, which is kind of annoying, but, you know, that's how it is when you're 25. You can't, <laughs> you, know, you, you can't pick or choose at the moment. You've got to sort of just wait your turn sort of thing. And uh, that's how it is. With that, I see a lot of movement. Uh, going to happen over the next 12 months. I see us coming out of lockdown slowly but surely. We do have the Indian variant at the moment, which is kind of like, oh, what could happen? 
Uh, I don't see anything negative happening until September, really, because the heat at the moment and the sun and the amount of outdoor outdoors activity should reduce the sort of spreadability of the virus. I'm not a doctor nor a scientist, so I cannot confirm that that is the case. But it ha- does seem that in hotter places and in the heat, summertime, that COVID reduces. So as well as the vaccine being implemented, let's hope that sun is good. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah, oh, man. One story I was going to say was that I was actually meant to be in Lisbon right now. Believe it or not, I had the plane, the, the flights booked. Uh, the sort of Airbnb booked and I also had um, everything you know holiday booked off I'm, I'm you know all of these things done and then I started to look at the pricing and I saw the uh, the government ruled that you had to take a PCR test and they had to be privatized so you're paying a hundred pounds going outwards and then you're paying a hundred pounds going back inwards for the tests themselves I was actually going to be working one week and then doing some holiday another week. And I just thought the price was starting to hike up hotels, all those things um, having to do between the getting to the airport, staying in a hotel, going to the flights, coming back. All of these things were just starting to pile on and holiday is meant to be a de-stressor, not an increase of stress. And I thought to myself that, I just, it just wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth the stress. And I thought to myself that I can always wait for, for when I'm going to move to Australia and New Zealand and I'm going to have more money to be able to spend out there, more time to be able to enjoy myself later on. And so I'm going to have some patience and really, you know, push the boat out there and, and have holidays in the UK until the PCR tests are gone, until we can just travel with passports rather than having to worry about vaccinations or all those things and uh, I'll hopefully be fully vaccinated by all those times that are over and we won't have to worry about that ever again and we can get on with our lives which would be brilliant so ah oh, yes talking about a couple of tv shows that uh, I've been really enjoying lately one of my absolute favorite things to do is to blitz through some shows so the first one that i've already blitzed through that isn't one of those shows that that where they do release all of them at once is castlevania castlevania season four was a masterclass of a show animated just brilliant richard um i want to say it's not richard armitage richard uh another another name gone this is this killing me today but he's he was in the hobbit he was the the leader of the dwarfs and he was brilliant uh in in the castlevania alucard all of the other um brilliant characters in there it's funny when you're talking about a show how little detail you can remember of the names but i really did enjoy the idea of um, bringing like the sort of resurrection of Dracula and his wife uh, was the main sort of consensus behind the the show. Now, spoiler alert for the show: if you haven't watched season one, two, three, or four, I'm going to chuck in a few spoilers. I'm going to chuck the spoiler alarm in just beforehand. So, spoiler alarm.
and you have been warned now. So season one, they fight, you know, Dracula's wife gets killed and then Dracula gets angry, blah, 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 blah. Everything occurs. But see, you know what? I don't, I don't really want to focus too much on the details, but the point being is that season four had a fantastic beginning, middle and end from the beginning of the show, uh, tracking down these people who are trying to revive Dracula and his wife to fight reuniting with friends meeting new characters to the lovely sum up of relationship of life and death at the end of the show it is a brilliant animated show i hope i'm not gonna you know i have said the spoiler there are a few spoilers there i'm not gonna add too many things in there although i really did enjoy the sort of development of the character of I think it was uh, the gentleman who controls the undead and he's Dracula's right-hand man. And he just gives a brilliant arc where he goes from being mainly a puppet to Dracula to becoming his own master and realizing that he's not, you know, he doesn't hate humanity. He just, he's, he was a slave to humanity and therefore he needed to become his own person to realize that and there's this beautiful scene where he's talking to one of his demons and it's like a reflection of him talking to himself it's really interesting um so yeah castlevania if you haven't watched it go watch it another one that's currently on the run is bad batch star wars style now i know i have said some i even though disney are a massive conglomerate and they do you know pump out the big old movies they have produced some pretty awesome Star Wars stuff, and the Mandalorian and the Bad and Bad Batch have been absolutely killer lately. I have really enjoyed the new characters coming into the Bad Batch uh, with the little girl again. Names, what's going on today? Uh, and the for the the main crew of the Bad Batch having their shenanigans throughout different sort of adventures through space. And the first episode, I feel just, it, it kind of set up quite a high. So it was like an hour long and it was brilliant. And it had this fantastic sort of controversial character within there who really broke up the Bad Batch crew and made them think like, oh, are we just robots sort of thing? And it was, it was based just after Order 66. So you start from Order 66 and then you work on from there. So the beginning is the Empire. It's really interesting to see the sort of how the Empire started, how the transition went from the Republic to the Empire uh, and seeing it from the perspective of the Bad Batch crew and the clones and how the clones slowly get phased out. So yes, fantastic, Bad Batch. And then the final one I wanted to talk about was uh, Ragnarok, which is just an absolutely fantastic international, I want to say either Norwegian, yeah, I'm going to go with Norwegian, Norwegian independent TV show on Netflix that's based around the old um, mythology of Loki, Thor, and the giants. And it's really interesting to see it and watch it in subtitles and see it based in this one place called Edda, just this one location in the countryside of Norway. And just be like astounded by what they can do with a few high school characters and 
some mythology and and really develop some of the bad guys to make you think oh i can you know there's kind of a relatability between all of it and they even though they are gods and giants there's a human aspect to all of it where you see elements of humanity in both mythologies so yeah if you haven't watched that ragnarok definite shout out so ragnarok oh yeah this is what i wanted to end on as well epstein has you know there, there was an update recently that the guards at epstein's sort of like prison cell that the guards basically admitted to negligence and just didn't look into the guy all night so when he potentially hung him hanged himself he uh <laughs> apparently he was literally you know left to himself all night these guys were just watching tv and just left him for 24 hours and then the next day they found him hanging by himself if that doesn't suspect you know spell out suspicious i don't know what does because the result of that was they admitted to the negligence and all they got was community service and then after that after the community service they were told to investigate his death i'm not really a conspiracy person but after all this information that's come out about Epstein and his power and his sort of ability to wriggle into the politics of the US and the ability to talk his way into places and have this ring of sort of pedophilia going on, as well as his sort of claws into different people and his sort of range of abilities of talking to scientists politicians and flying all over the world and having his own island it spells a lot of just behind the scenes work that just i just think to myself wow how is that even possible how, how does a man get to that point and starting from finance as well yeah there's there's a lot wrong there and I find it fascinating to see what's gone on since then, how there's not really been a massive investigation behind it and how the governments have just kind of been like, yeah, whatever. And we don't really know a lot about Ghislaine at the moment and what's going on there, but it's still fascinating stuff. And so I'll end it there on Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> uh, but apart from that, it is a beautiful sort of day in the UK at the moment. We've got lots of good weather going on, so I'm going to enjoy that. And this is my first piece of time off in over six months off work. So I'm going to enjoy the rest of that as well. And I hope to say to all of you that you have, if you are thinking to yourself, oh, I don't need to take time off because I'm working from home and it doesn't feel like there's much difference between work and holiday, I tell you, take the break take the break, reset, go back and see how it happens. And maybe you'll be like me and you'll think, wow, I wish I'd done this earlier. <laughs> so ending on a positive note, take time off, reset, rest and recover and build yourself back up. This has been the Taylor's Tales podcast. This is Chris's Corner. I'm your host, Chris Taylor. And as always, I'll see you next week. Bye now.